Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome to Thought Leadership Studio, episode number 11. Musical thinking for business creativity? Or how can we make business and persuasion more like music and less like war? Or how to choose your metaphor? The definition of a metaphor is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is used in place of another to suggest a likeness or analogy between them, as in drowning in money. Well, my training in and experience with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, has led me to the conclusion that metaphor is a lot deeper than that, that the metaphors we hold impact us on an extremely deep level. And in this podcast, I'm going to go over lots of reasons why music can be a fantastic metaphor for business. And not only a metaphor, but provide a way of thinking for creative solutions, for innovation, for nonlinear problem solving, for tapping into inspiration, and for putting harmony where there was conflict before that didn't really need to be there. And isn't more harmony and less conflict something the world in general needs right now? So maybe business should be more like music and less like war. So have you questioned your metaphors? After all, what is a metaphor? And shouldn't you go all the way up to meta five or meta six if four is not enough? As long as we're competing, because we're competing for market share. We're competing for this, we're competing for that in business. And seeing business like a competition it can have some usefulness here and there, but in nature there's just as much, if not more, symbiosis and there's competition. And if nothing else, you should be aware of when your metaphor is limiting and flexibility in metaphors, which can come first of all by making them explicit, by being aware of what they are. Because once you're aware of them, you've got more power to change them, you've got more power to use them as an instrument, as a tool for amplifying your success, amplifying your persuasion. And of course, metaphors are a fantastic communication tool that lends itself really well to things like strategic thought leadership, and influence leadership, 
marketing and persuasion in general. So what I want this podcast to do for you is, is to help you discover how much subconscious impact our usually unacknowledged metaphors have on our lives and success to become aware of and take more control of your metaphors to amplify your success, um, to explore multiple ways to use the metaphor of music to communicate, lead and succeed at a higher level while living more harmoniously and in more of an inspired way. And to learn how to use musical thinking as a tool for creativity, inspiration, persuasion, nonlinear problem solving, and have fun while doing all of that. But first, let's take a break to hear from our sponsor, Scorpion Members. message from our sponsor, Scorpion Helpers. Scorpions can only race up to a certain age before they are sidelined and put out to pasture, sometimes with debilitating injuries from their years of racing. Even the more famous ones are forgotten about and sometimes left to rot away in cages with a scrap of lobster artichoke salad thrown to them here and there. We want to find homes for these former racing scorpions. We want to let them live out their final years in a beautiful setting. You can give a retired racing scorpion a good retirement of living their golden years out in a ranch setting, free to roam, play, and frolic with the other retired racing scorpions for only $50 a month per quarter pound of scorpions. Sponsor a racing scorpion. Give them a good retirement. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today and get a free bib with the Scorpion Helpers logo, along with a signed picture of the former champion racing scorpion, Ralph of the Atlantean Wildebeests. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today. Save a scorpion from being relegated to a traveling circus where they're forced to play tricks and jump through hoops in front of a crowd in between being carried from city to city, all alone and only one train car per scorpion per room. Make a donation today at scorpionhelpers.com.
So I'm going to make a proposal here, make a case for music being a better metaphor for business in most situations than war. And where does large-scale change start? It starts in individual minds, and when it starts in individual minds, those that are persuasive, and when it's packaged in a way that it carries, like a dandelion in the wind, and it spreads like seeds thrown out over a field so that it takes root, and it can hit a tipping point where large-scale change can happen. So maybe we should be careful about the metaphors. Maybe we need to uproot some of those that have been planted deeply by our society and examine those and consider which ones we want to keep and when we don't. Because they drive our behavior, they drive our experience of the world, they drive our model of the world, which is what we respond to rather than the world itself. The map is not the territory. So on that note, I'm going to turn the stage over just for a few minutes to the philosopher Alan Watts. Existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't <clears throat> have some destination that it ought to arrive at but that it is best understood by analogy with music. Because music, as an art form, is essentially playful. We say you play the piano. You don't work the piano. Why? Music differs from, say, travel. When you travel, you are trying to get somewhere. One doesn't make the end of a composition the point of the, of the composition. If that were so, the best conductors would be those who played fastest. <laughs> and there would be composers who wrote only finales. <laughs> People go to a concert just to hear one crashing chord, because that's the end. <laughs> Same way in dancing. You don't aim at a particular spot in the room. That's where you should arrive. The whole point of the dancing is the dance. Uh, I read something recently that Mick Jagger was upset when back in the day the Rolling Stones were announced as the greatest band in the world. It ticked him off, you know, and he was embarrassed by that. He said, so what does that even mean? And he's got a point. And his thing was, that, you know, a different band every night, the quote, greatest band in the world. But art's in the mind of whoever's listening. It doesn't even depend on your criteria anyways. I mean, some people would say Jimi Hendrix is the greatest rock guitarist ever. And he even made some other guitars that were famous when he was alive, like Eric Clapton, cower a little bit. But what does the greatest even mean? It depends on your criteria. Certainly other guitars have had more technical proficiency. But in terms of innovativeness and impact on those that came after him, now, yeah, then Hendrix might be. But you see how when you compete, when you compare, it shifts with criteria anyways. So it's like that old Zen story of a large tree being so much huger and firmer than the weed, but because the weed bent 
in the wind. It doesn't get toppled in a hurricane like the tree does. Maybe it's better to appreciate that, just like in music. Musicians relate to each other for being complimentary. If you're a guitarist, you might go looking for bass players and drummers so your band gets filled out. And then there's polyphonic improvisation, which was what the Grateful Dead did, where every band member improvised. And it's what Dixieland jazz players do. And for every band member to improvise, for it to sound good, they all have to listen to everybody else. You have to keep their ears open. They're not competing. They're harmonizing. Another place that changing your metaphor can be helpful is if you discover that you've got this competitive metaphor, you might be overlooking a lot of opportunities for strategic partnerships, even with competitors where strategic partnerships are absolutely essential to music, of course. If you go beyond the singer-solo-songwriter-type gig, it's all about how you harmonize and how you integrate with others. It's about how well you listen. And like the musician, the jazz guitarist Bill Frizzell said, listening sounds simple, but it's a lifelong thing. And since, as usual, part of this podcast is about multiple level communication, both teaching it and leading by example a little bit, because some things are better communicated to the unconscious mind. But your unconscious takes care of so many things, like your breathing. Now, breathing is both conscious and unconscious. And it's really interesting because breathing, being both conscious and unconscious, because you can control your breath. You can speed it up, you can slow it down, but if you're not paying any attention, your unconscious just takes care of it and you breathe perfectly. But you can also pay attention to take slower, deeper breaths and use breathing for rapport in a sales context or in a partnership context. If you're meeting with a client or prospect or business partner and you want to deepen rapport, matching breathing is a way to quickly get into that rapport state. That state where you have so much empathy. And it's not about manipulation, it's to serve. When you're in deep rapport with someone, you have so much empathy that you can only do what's right for them. But also lets them relax enough so that you're doing what great salespeople do, which is not so much intending to sell as it is creating a buying environment. And creating a buying environment means creating an environment full of rapport and full of positive expectations and full of trust because it's clear you're putting the prospect's need first. So that prospect can, with the least effort possible, discover what their needs are that you can help them with and assess whether the solution that you're offering is going to be the right one. And of course, marketing is also creating a rapport with things like content marketing that's geared around serving the audience instead of just selling to them. And then just like creating a buying environment, when your intention is to serve instead of sell, you sell more. So you get aligned more with this and it becomes part of your mission. And it overcomes things like call reluctance and Whatever the case, it becomes a lot easier 
to reach out when your mission isn't directly to sell, when you realize you make more sales when your mission is to make sure that every prospect you connect with understands what's possible for them, understands what you can bring to the table that would enrich their lives, understands their needs more clearly and coherently so they can better examine the fit with what you have. And they wouldn't have understood this without your intervention. So they understand what they can accomplish. They can understand how much more enriched their lives can be through what they offer. And these are the kinds of things that it becomes not a shame if you don't sell them. It becomes a shame and a problem for you only if they don't know what's possible. But you become inspired by a mission to show what's possible more when you have this empathy from gaining more rapport, which is respecting the musical component of rhythm as well as harmony. So rapport is about rhythm, being in the same rhythm of breathing, being the same rhythm of the pace of engagement with the prospect that quote, mating dance, unquote, whether it's business to business or business to consumer, matching the pace of communications. And what's on you is making sure they fully understand just how much better life can be with what you're bringing to them. And when it becomes a mission of sharing that and you find you get more sales with this, creating a buying environment attitude and rapport being a part of that and in these in-person type or Zoom meetings or even over the phone, matching the breathing even more effectively than breathing at the same pace to build rapport is matching the pace of their breathing with your voice so that when you speak at the rate of breathing and then you gradually slow your voice, you're helping them relax. And you'll notice, if you do it well, they'll follow you and engage yet deeper into this rapport state of the buying environment. So again, that's the rhythm aspect of the music coming in. And rhythm has a lot of application of business. It could be the rhythm of the dance of two businesses in their gradually closer engagement to a strategic partnership or buying and selling relationship. So rhythm is one of the three primary ways that musicians organize sound to make music. The other two are harmony and melody. So when we contrast the metaphor of music and the metaphor of war, we're comparing metaphors of creativity, harmony, rhythm, melody, cooperation, with a metaphor of destructiveness, dissonance, and competition. A competition can be a good thing when it's to bring out the best in opponents rather than to destroy each other. Now think back to the games you played when you were a kid. Be about competition or cooperation. 
Uh, one could be forgiven for thinking they're only games of competition because that paradigm is so deeply embedded in our culture. I mean, think about football. It's a game of territorial disputes and aggression. But there's a pygmy tribe in Africa whose survival is dependent on cooperation in the hunting party. So the children play games of cooperation. Now in the book, Turtles All the Way Down, NLP co-founder John Grinder spoke of their game of pulling a large tree down by adding one child sitting on it at a time. Then they'd all have to jump off at exactly the same time. It was a game of cooperation. So it's not like our values of society, of competitiveness, even up to the point of, in some horrible cases, mutual destruction, are coming from nowhere. But it's also not like we don't have the ability on a conscious and unconscious level to uproot old paradigms, to examine where these come from, and to discard the ones that don't serve us anymore, and consider things like music. Now, some people would say, well, I'm not a musician. Well, have you ever had an earworm? Have you ever had a jingle stuck in your head? You don't have to be a musician or even play an instrument as a hobby to benefit from using musical thinking as a tool. Everybody's had advertising jingles stuck in their head at some time or a song stuck in their head. Those earworms are proof that we can all hear music in our mind's ears. So we can all think musically. We can all use our imagination as an instrument. And what does an instrument do? It makes translations. Musical instruments make translations from states of mind to sound, their way of conveying states of consciousness in ways that are beyond words. And sometimes it's considered a way of communicating the unconscious. The best musicians say, it, it just came through me. I didn't compose a song, it came to me from somewhere else. It has a statement of unconscious processing. Now, while I mentioned that you don't have to be a musician or even a hobbyist musician to think musically and to get the benefits of nonlinear problem solving from thought experiments, like thinking of a conflict in a work situation and then translating each person in the conflict to a musician in a band and imagining what they'd sound like. You probably hear dissonance. But then imagine as you listen to them playing, you bring in a little counterpoint, and you bring in a little extra harmony, you bring them all in tune with each other, and you tune the music so it is harmonious, it is melodious, it has a powerful rhythm. And it's interesting when doing such thought experiments, people tell me, I don't know what I did. The situation just worked itself out perfectly. That's a form of nonlinear problem solving that can fix situations that escape rational, conscious thinking. 
And it's a whole different way of thinking. That's why there's a recent study that says that learning a musical instrument can actually increase IQ by 10%. And I'll propose even if you don't learn an instrument, not that I don't recommend doing that, it's a great way to increase your creativity that you can apply to all kinds of situations. But just thinking musically, just using your imagination to bring music into situations. You can use it for motivation. You can bring backup singers whenever you're making a point to yourself. This is something Richard Bandler, one of the NLP early leaders and a co-founder, used to say to seminars, it's like, don't you have backup singers? So that when you make a point to yourself like, you know, I'm going to accomplish this. You have this course of background singers that says, oh yeah. And you bring in the orchestra. You bring in a rock band and you crank it up to increase your motivation. So definitely check out the episode notes and click on the link or copy paste the link to the episode page because I'm going to put some links and resources and extra ideas there about other ways to creatively use music for nonlinear problem solving, for motivation, for exercising your creativity, for expanding your imagination, and for having a whole different set of metaphors that can bring harmony to where before there is conflict and dissonance. And imagine if a lot of people did this. Imagine if a lot of world leaders did this. Wouldn't that make for a better world to live in? But it starts with you, it starts with each of us. So on that, I'm gonna wrap up this section of episode 11 of Thought Leadership Studio. I'm Chris McNeil, Master NLP Practitioner, Strategic Thought Leadership Coach and Consultant to do a lot of marketing work as well, a lot of marketing consultation. And if I can help you or your business, I would love to do so. Click on the link in the show notes and the episode notes and you can learn all about that. Thought Leadership Studio. Check out the episode page. The link is in the show notes and it will give you a lot of supporting documentation, ideas to fill any gaps um, on this process. And also, this is not something I always offer, but at the time I'm recording this, I'm offering a free 30-minute discovery session to look at what you can achieve with strategic thought leadership or your organization. Just a time to look at what you want to accomplish and find out what is possible that you can achieve with strategic thought leadership for market influence or marketing or sales goals. What kind of time frame would it take to expect to see results and what kind of programs would suit you best? So the aim is to empower you and to brainstorm together. So check out the link and 
Look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio. Thought Leadership Studio.